It's time for the What in the Podcast. Folsom Prison, just outside of Sacramento, California, in the city of Folsom, has a long history, hence its name, Historic Folsom Prison. Along with that history, naturally you've got hauntings. Tonight we're going to talk about a few of them with Guard X. Also, we will be talking about our contest winners, potential winners, and Adriana will be regaling us with another prison story, Burlington County Prison. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 53 of What in the Podcast. Begin audio transmission. Welcome to the What in the Podcast with your hosts, Kent Whittington. And Adriana Camito. And Tracy Lynn Hernandez. Hello and welcome to season two of What in the Podcast. Yeah, as as you all know, our seasons tend to run more like annuals, but that's how we roll. <laughs> that's how we do. <laughs> so, how's everybody feeling after being gone for two weeks? Sunburnt. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah, you're looking a little. You're tanning though, nicely. It's because I'm peeling a lot. That will do it. Yeah, I'll do it too. How, how about you, dear? Did you enjoy the two weeks off? <laughs> oh, the look! Wow, the last couple of weeks. So I mean, I mean, aside from that, <laughs> to be fair, though, she has been ill, and we're we taking steps to fix they, that. They, they suspect it's one thing, and then we'll find out. Do you want to talk about it? No, I do no? not. Okay, that's fine. We won't break, we won't talk about just, our, our just details. Adri's having some issues and I hope everybody who hears this uh, wishes her well because we do too. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but anyway, let's get this season started. Tonight, folks, we are going to be doing several different things. Uh, first and foremost, we have uh, an announcement for our contest. We have two runner-ups. Their names are Tacey and Bethany, runner respectively. Up. Well, we have, we have two runner-ups. We only have two entries, so we, we've got we two, two runner-ups. two entries and four <laughs> entries. How's that? That's fair. <laughs> so if they're the two runner-ups, who's the winner? Well, that's you're for us to decide. That, you're, not, you're not understanding what you say sounds Everybody's like. got their entries in by now. This was the cutoff date. July seventeenth is the day That's we're okay. recording. I and... that earlier. I said, you know, you could have just phoned it in and told, you know, told your story on the thing. And said, I don't have time to write a story. I was like, it's not a fit. I don't have time to write it out. Well, like, you then have to. Then that part, that person does not get a copy of Stranger Things. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and as as you guys yeah, know, as that. you guys know, as we've been pounding it into your skulls every day of the podcast since we started this contest, the winner is going to receive a copy of stranger things and not just any copy season this one. is season one of the collector's edition yes, yes, which yes. looks like a vhs case when you open it up there's actually uh looks four like yeah it looks like a vhs tape you open that up <laughs> with the dust cover yeah when you open that up you get four four dvds and four blu-rays is that two correct DVDs two DVDs. oh i'm sorry four discs four all discs together right right Plus a collectible poster. And this is what you get for listening to somebody who doesn't hasn't even opened it yet themselves. I've opened mine. And yes. I'm, I'm not talking about you, it. I'm not supposed <laughs> to open mine yet. Why? Because you won't let me. I have done nothing. <laughs> I have locked it and cuddled it and, and bounced across the room going, oh, I got the DVDs. Because that's what I do. Well, well you're a silly woman. Well, duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the same woman who, who was gifted or bought some 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 British breed horses and then one of them was a jumper that I've been looking at getting for many 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 years and uh -huh. I might have sat there and slept with the horse. British breed horses are are, are acrylic. Yes, they are. They they are not soft meant for, for for cuddling. 
But that horse stayed on my bed all night long because I'm like, you got, I got you, buddy. I need you to get in touch with my friend Connie because she collects them also. And she has got. She's been selling some. Huge collection of them. She's not selling all of them. Yeah. But maybe she's got a few you'd be interested in. Who knows? She collects certain uh, casts and whatnot. So. Anyway, um, so that's up for that's up for grabs. Um, this is the cutoff date. We will be deciding who the winner is, uh, and probably revealing that on our next podcast. Yep, yep, yep. For now, though, we actually wanted to talk about the uh, our runner-ups, as, as I put it. Uh, you got possible winners. You got Tacy's story. Would you like to talk about hers? Tacy's we couldn't story. get a, We tried to get a hold of Tacy so she could tell it, but we're unsuccessful. But alas, well, you know, she she's a, a mom and grandma. She gets a little busy, and and you know, grandmaism does that, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, go ahead. Tacy's story here. <clears throat> pardon my squeak. Is quote Hi, my spooked moment happened after coming home when I was living at my grandparents for a time after while attending college. Sorry, came home and see an unknown woman washing dishes in the kitchen. Saw her through the window and walking in the front door, being greeted by a man that said he was her husband. Looking her, looking at her and calling around saying, Mom, only had them smile and laugh at each other. Told me she wasn't there when she wasn't. Tried to introduce themselves, but I was so spooked. Turns out my mom had left on an errand and a couple of a couple visiting from out of state, North Carolina. They knew my eldest brother and I. But for me, I was freaked out and could really, could, couldn't really calm down until after mom returned. Kept walking in the rooms of the house, trying to focus on furniture and belongings. Whew. I knew I was spooked in the middle of the day when I, in the home I grew up in. <laughs> so, so basically what happened was these people she met, she comes into her house expecting to see her mom, sees these two people who, yes. as far as she knows, she's never met. And, and, but Even though they met, know who she yeah, is. She, she technically met them when she was like, so she wouldn't remember them anyway basically yeah they they were not people in her memory that have known her parents forever basically long-term family friends knew her older brother Uh uh-huh and the rest of the siblings but she scared herself bits and took her three hours three hours of confirming with mom mom was really there afterwards (laughs) you know what i like best about that story besides the fact that it's true that it's not paranormal in the least nope it's it's just these are actually real people in her house yes you know me who the are you yes even if we had gotten 10 entries or anything like that i still that still would be forefront in my mind as far as a possible winner oh yeah just just for that reason alone but we do have a paranormal story or two to tell too and for that matter um (laughs) we were able to contact bethany and uh, we'll just get into that right now. Okay, so we have with us one of our contest entrants, and she's going to tell us her close encounters of the supernatural kind. Her weird true stories, as it were. Weird true stories. So, Bethany, hello. Tell us about your story. Well, I have two. Um, my first actual encounter with anything supernatural was when. I was like 10. I used to live in Oak Grove, you know, those new neighborhoods. So um, the houses were all kind of brand new. And when we moved in there, it was really late, like the first month we lived there. And um, I was laying in bed just chilling. And um, I, I was sleeping. And then I felt someone enter the room. Like I, I'm a little kid, so I always have my door open when I'm sleeping and whatnot. Um, and then I felt, so I was like, well, maybe it's something. And then I felt something sit down, like on my, on the edge, of the, on the foot of the bed, and I felt it like sink, like there was weight. Um, <clears throat> but like I'm not, I wasn't like really scared of what was happening. It was just kind of like it was. Um, I knew, I kind of knew what was I like I, I knew whoever this was okay it wasn't like a scare thing okay yeah so um and then he, it came closer and I was like oh this I was like okay so I stayed laying there and then I just felt like someone caressing my head and I was like and um I was I uh 
I kind of, I kind of just like tilted my head in my sleep. I didn't really open my eyes. And he was like, don't worry. I'm here. And it, and it was, um, it was pretty crazy. And like the moment I heard the voice, I knew it. Um, and I, I, I was like, this is crazy. And I kind of got up. There was no one there. Um, but I just knew it was my uncle. Like I, like there was no doubt in my mind that he had come because we didn't, we didn't have any men that lived with us. And it was, it was crazy. I could feel him. He was real. It wasn't like a weird hallucination of a dream. It was pretty cool. And how long had your uncle been gone? Uh, he died when I was two. See, family visits. They do visit. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't had a visit from him in particular since, but you know. Have you moved since then? Is that maybe that's why? Um. Well, I, I've moved many, many times. <laughs> okay. But it's, it's not. I don't. I think he only came because it was really turbulent in our family at that time. Like I felt his energy when I'm in bad places, but it's not a visit. Like when I was ten, it was there was a lot of tragedy happening in my life, and uh, you know, I think he knew that I needed someone else. So, okay. so now tell me about your second encounter of the ghostly kind. Oh, I don't know if you know about this place. Uh, it's called Evangeline. It's pretty. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we yeah, mentioned. Know somebody to know somebody to know somebody to we mentioned the place a couple times. Yeah, we're familiar with it. We know some people. <laughs> um, but that is that building has multiple people in it. Um, I never ran into the lady on the stairs. I didn't run into the guy behind the bar. But so, the children were always there in the morning. I opened. So in Evangeline's, uh, the lights are near the register, but you have to come from the back door. So you have to run through all the lights and <laughs> or without the lights. So I, every time I would run, like full sprint, but you would always feel them. Sounds like, like the flicking the switch and trying to get to the other side before the light goes off. Just to be yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I, well, I did opening and the opening, you know, you vacuum and you clean and whatnot. And I was, I was vacuuming in a, a room called, uh, the jungle or the jungle room. And, um, it's like the one with like all the army and whatnot. So when I came in and I was vacuuming, um, I could feel them watching me from corners. So like from one corner, when you walk in, the left corner is where two of them were. And then on that right corner, one of them was there. And they were like kind of behind, like no kids, but like, oh, and they hide behind clothes. Like they were definitely like behind, like, like they're just watching. No one's like doing any harm or nothing. Um, when they start, when they would like, after I was in there for a minute, they would like start to get really energetic and start running around. And I'd be like, hey, you know, like, I, like knock it off. <laughs> like I'm working here. And then, you know, and then I would feel like the energy kind of go away. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really hard to kind of push them out when I didn't, when I didn't want them there, you know? Okay. Do you have any other encounters at the store? Well, not at Evangeline's. Those are my big ones. Um, at my, actually at the job, I just quit. Um, I was doing some cleaning in the back of our warehouse. And um, as I was cleaning the bathroom, I heard breathing behind me. And when I opened in the morning, there was really no one else there. Um, but like, I wasn't really dealing with it. It's early. I don't, and I was like, I came in, and you're like, leave me alone. I'm, I'm working. Like, I've got I've got things to do. And then just kind of just skittered off, did its own little thing. Okay, that was pretty basic. Awesome. <laughs> kind of reminds me of the, of the uh, ghost of the Toys R Us. That place was creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I, as All Toys R Us's are creepy. Well, I've, been, I've been there when when they were closed <clears throat> in the building before it was still a Toys R Us. So, yeah. <laughs> so Creepy place. Yeah. So what's the story with the other two ghosts? Well, the woman on the stairs. And... Tracy's told me. <laughs> There's the lady on the stairs who smelled like rose water. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. I, I remember you talking about that one. We were called would smell her from time to time. Mostly when, when the store was under stress. Right. Yes. And yeah. The guy, and then Frank. the guy behind the bar. Frank is, is, is. 
a character. Huh? Frank is a character. Well, he's the one that pushed Rachel. Uh-huh. And Goose. he was playing that rappy music, and he hates that music. <laughs> and he goosed a couple other people that were up on the ladders that were... Large. I know, I'm so lucky he liked me. <laughs> <laughs> he was unnecessarily touchy to people. He was. He's actually been been um, one of our, our managers, or I should say one of our ex-managers, since she's still there and we're not, um, was on an internet or a national ghost hunting show. And they're talking to her about him. And he's like abusive to her, like flat out abusive to her. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the rest of us, I'm looking around going, but I've never had that problem with him. <laughs> yeah, me either. I've also never had an issue. But every time I came in, to work, I always put on Western music only. <laughs> so you like that country Western, huh? Yeah. Well, but there's also the time that, that we had no music in the store for a couple hours. They were doing a music audit. Oh, it was and, so uncomfortably loud. And but every every customer is bouncing to the yeah. same beat on all three floors because mm-hmm. security's like, this is this is kind of creepy. There's no music, and you're all bouncing to the exact same beat because the store knows it's supposed to have music playing. The, the store, store knows it's supposed to be comfortable for everyone there. So the store provides. So the store provides. <laughs> that, it, it, was a, it was such a great place to work. Like when you go underneath where all the costumes are stored. You get know, most, most of the kids are down there in the basement. Yeah. They, um, they do the running through the, the stacks. costumes. <laughs> It used, so mad. it used to be that you had to go downstairs to turn on lights in the basement to turn on lights in the first floor. Right. And yeah, I would have. I would have just quit. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'd get these. You wouldn't hear them, but you get the rushing up of, of. You see me? You see me? Right? It's like, yes, I see you. Now, please don't pick on so and so and yada yada. Please and thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were well behaved. They never. They never really bothered people. They were just annoying. Because <laughs> they're kids. They're oh. supposed to be. Huh? <laughs> Absolutely, they fulfilled their duty. Both. Living and non. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always did want to work for Evangelines, and now I want to work for them even more. <laughs> they are hiring. Get for opening shifts. Oh, they always Get have for Halloween. That's when, uh, that's when they're all there. They're most active in the oh, morning. Yes, yep. Definitely. Well, I think I'm a little past that now, but <laughs> yeah. back in the day, <laughs> I would have yeah. jumped at the You chairs. can always try and do it when you retire. Oh, wait, you're never going to retire. Never going to retire. <laughs> What's that? I'm not allowed to retire. I already know that when I, I, I finish nannying, I am supposed to walk back to the store and say, do you still need me? And I could be 95 years old. And she'll say, yes. Well, you're going to be, because I'm going to need a nanny sometime in the future. So <laughs> you're going to keep your schedule open. <laughs> well, okay, dear. Thank you very much for your stories. Absolutely. Thank you for letting me be on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> and feel free I'll to have a good one and keep it spooky. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Let us know if anything else happens in your life. We'd love to Definitely. hear more stories. If you get more ghost stories. Let us know. Oh, good ghost stories. I was about to be like, y'all got time. <laughs> well, you know. Well, that's going to be a different podcast. A different podcast yeah. Today. <laughs> and you're going to help your other mother out, right? I'm busy all of a sudden. <laughs> Not too busy, I'm sure. Okay, sweet. I love you. Be good. All right, I love you. All right, bye. Bye bye. Okay, that was a fun interview. <laughs> Can't wait to hear her on your show, Tracy. Well, you know, I, I, I adopt multiple children, and that's one of the ones I, I brought in and said, yeah. Yep. Speaking <laughs> of which, since I brought it up, I forgot to mention that we are part of a a network of podcasts now uh and the what we've what have been decided to be called the what in the podcast network and it now encompasses three shows this one that you're listening to right now the who in the podcast episodes which will be airing sometime probably next week we were talking about doing it this week but we're just not ready to do it just yet and then uh, tracy and that'll be hosted by adriana and then tracy will be hosting why in the podcast yes um, Adri, what is Who in the Podcast? Who in the Podcast is maybe a true crime podcast from serial killers to heists, that kind of thing. Corporate crime. Corporate crime, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, where you posted on the, where you posted on the page about, uh, 
the Sacramento Vampire. That's right. There is a Facebook page. It's the Who in the Podcast Facebook page, just like the What in the Podcast. It's the same name, just replace What with Who, and there you go. And, uh, oh, and you you posted about some famous art thefts. Yep. Some of the... Unfortunately, that site didn't show the pictures it was supposed to show, it but show it's pictures. informative, just the same. You can look up the yep. pictures, I'm sure. Yep. And, um, we've, been, we've been putting some content on there. Less than 10% of stolen art on that article said less than 10% is ever recovered. Yep. Most of them art get sold just... to uh, art enthusiasts who can afford the, the uh, artwork that's, you know, stolen. A lot, of, a lot of what you see in, in museums are actually reproductions because that art is no longer available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you did the, I didn't get to look at the corporate one because I was starting to get migraine again. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you posted some corporate stuff that talked about the, the RJ Reynolds and uh, Philip Morris mm-hmm. uh, companies and their, their tactic of false, uh, falsifying drug reports on how harmful tobacco was. Sounds like you read a little bit of it. I read anyway. a little bit, but yeah. I couldn't go any further. I was getting a really bad headache. So. But yeah, I know. Well, I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest. I you read more than I did because I didn't even read it. I just posted it. <laughs> uh, well, I read the article on the uh, art theft stuff, too. Again, I didn't read it yet, either. <laughs> yeah, see? See? I, hey, my job as the promoter on that is oh, just no, to put I'm content up for people to read. I'll, I, I, I browse over it real quick, and if it's viable, I'll post it. It's the same thing I do on the What in the Podcast Facebook group, but I, I, I do tend to go back and read that stuff. Yeah, and I, I saw it, and I couldn't read it when I first saw it because I was in the middle of something else. And... Mm-hmm. I and did read See, this proves I do try and go back and read things. I, I, yeah. did, I did read the article that I posted about the uh, mm-hmm. the butcher, the woman who killed her husband and, and carved him up. Oh, yeah, they were sleeping with the knives above their bed. Yeah, and the funny thing was, That's before creepy. I posted it, before I found it, we'd actually watched an episode of Deadly Women that featured this woman. I remember I remember from either another podcast or another article. I read a lot of true crime books, so I probably found it there. Yep. I do, I really do. Yep. So now, Tracy, what is your podcast going to be about? What is Why in the Podcast? So why in the Podcast is about sexuality, self, and self-discovery. Okay. Um, I'm going to have, I've already lined up, one guest, if not more, talking about her journey into becoming herself uh-huh. from what she was born. <clears throat> uh, we're going to talk about things like polyamory, uh, pansexuality, everything. We're going to touch touch it all, and it's it's not as family friendly as this. Not show. as family friendly as this show. Ne- neither is mine. Let's you just might say be that offended right if you're listening, but oh, try not to be. be. <laughs> <laughs> try not to be. But it's it's meant to. It's it's not going to be set up to be this is your lesson for the day if this is our it's just people personal, talking basically yeah, experiences. yeah um one of my my friends who's always says she'll be on twice if not more um wants to talk about you know transgender how she knew or when she knew she was herself uh-huh. and not who she was born which was all of her life right and the 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 joys and tribulations and hoops she had to jump through to become herself. Now, see, this is stuff I want to hear about because as a heterosexual male, I am in the societal norm, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I don't offend anybody by saying that. But as such, I don't know a whole lot about other orientations. You know enough. I know a little bit. I mean, my brother is bisexual. Um. You have your bent. <laughs> I would say bi, but you're not bi. I'm pan. You're pan, yes. And Tracy's got her thing too. Yeah, I'm I'm bi, and I was in a committed relationship for years. And yeah, it's just things. We're going to talk about things that make you go, not things that make you go, but things that make you go. Yep. We might yes. even throw a few X stories out there too. So be warned. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> But anyway, coming in July. Yep. Okay, great. Well, and for, for the meantime, though, we've got a podcast we're doing right now, and it's this one. So we're going to get into it tonight. Uh, hopefully we haven't bored you too much. <laughs> tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, haunted, historic Folsom Prison. Uh, with us tonight is a gentleman who we are calling Guard X. 
because he currently still works for the prison system. And even if he didn't, we wouldn't want to put his name out there because that could be dangerous for him. Yeah. Um, you know, there are inmates who might have a grudge against a certain guard or something. And if they've got a way to find that person, yeah, they'll do it. So, yep. you know, we're, we're just protecting his identity. So anyway, uh, let's get into that interview right now. All right, we're here tonight with uh, Guard X, as we're calling him. Uh, Guard X has been uh, working within the prison system for a number of years. Several years back, he actually worked in our local Folsom prison. And tonight he's here to tell us about what that was like and uh, a few haunted stories. And it sounds like you got a bit of a haunting going on right now. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right. So how are you tonight? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Oh, it's a pleasure. I've been working for the Department of Corrections for, uh, let's see, I'm coming up actually on, on 17 years with the Department of Corrections. And, and like you said, I did work at Folsom State Prison for a number of years. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't work there anymore, um, but I still am employed by the department. Right. And, and uh, hence Guard X. Also, <laughs> hence Guard X. And I, Folsom uh, State Prison is about 20 miles outside of uh, Sacramento, I'd say. Uh -huh. um, it was established in 1880. It's the second oldest prison in the, in the system, right behind San Quentin. Um, at one point, it housed a very, very high... High, high security, very dangerous criminals. It did have its own death row at one point. Um, it does have a, does uh, it's still there. They have a death row that's still there. It has 13 cells in the, in the hanging room. Um, I was just looking at it earlier and I was surprised by how many inmates that they, that they had executed there. Um, what was the number? Executed 93. 93. 93. Inmates, so. Yeah. Um, actually, on, and on prison grounds, they actually have a cemetery on grounds for uh, inmates back in the day that didn't have family that would come and, and retrieve their bodies or anything like that. So they actually have their own cemetery there on grounds. Well, that, was, that was a fairly common thing back then, right? You know, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I mean, the, the other facility that I work at now is a, is a more of a modern facility. So, yeah. Cemetery on grounds, right? But uh, I would imagine so. Yeah, there, there's probably there's probably a cemetery in San Quentin. Um, I never actually I never actually asked. That's a good question. Next time I run from somebody from San Quentin, I'll have to ask him that question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was it like being a being a guard there at uh, Folsom? Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, to be honest, I, I it was a wonderful place to work. It's got amazing staff. Uh, amazing supervisor. It's got very, very good administration. It's a historical prison. Um, unlike a lot of these uh, new, uh, a lot of them on electronics um, um, and, and control booths and, and things like that. Everything's very structured and very controlled. This is nothing like that. It's a. Uh, oh, sorry, man. We lost you there for a second. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, you were saying uh, about it being a. Uh, not like the other prisons. Yeah, it's not like the other prisons, as in um, a lot of the new prisons are all controlled by electronics and then control booths and things like that. Right. Um, and the old prisons, everything's manual. So you're keying every single door, and then you're you're rolling these giant bars to open and close uh, chunks of, of cells at the time. And uh, and it's very very in the summer it's hot. Because there's no air conditioning in the winter, it's cold, um, and there's parts of the institution that are made by granite blocks. Oh. Did you just say giant other. granite blocks? You just broke out. Yeah, giant granite blocks. Yeah. Okay. Maybe gotcha. I should take off my earphones here. Hold on. Let me uh, switch <laughs> this over. I don't think the earphones are working very well. Hold on. Okay. Okay, we understand why that happens. Here, we'll try it. We'll, we'll try that. Yep. So, um, yeah, some of, some of the housing units are made out of these giant granite blocks and, and solid steel doors. Um, and, and the inmates, uh, the inmates kind of, they, 
now the inmates that the type of inmates that they have there, they're lower security, and so they're they're an easier inmate population to work with. And um, so it was a it was a very very good place to work. Okay. But um, hmm. being a, being an older institution, there's a lot of history there, and I can uh, imagine a lot of it. A lot of it's pretty dark. You know, there's a lot of uh, things that used to happen that that aren't acceptable anymore that did happen there. Right. Um, you know, uh, basically the, the, the institution and the walls for the institution, the big granite walls that surround the institution, they were, uh, forced labor from the inmates. And, uh, they also had, uh, laborers that were, you know, that, that were brought in to, to help build these walls. And they were obviously not treated the best. Um, and there was a lot of people that died. A lot of the people over the, the, the history of, of Folsom that, that have died there on grounds, both staff and uh, and inmates. And it, and it definitely left an impression on the place. So. By impression, are you referring to more like a, like a I don't know, like a, a recording or? Yeah, I mean, you could tell there were certain places they just didn't quite hang out in. I mean, we had this we had this one tower, and it's a really large tower. It's one of the largest towers on the on grounds there. And they actually had these these cells at the bottom of this tower, and they were like dungeon. They're like dungeons, you know. Uh-huh. And they have rings in the walls where they would chain up the inmates to these dungeons, and then they would close the door behind them and they'd leave them in there. If, if there were a problem in me and it, I've only been in that tower a handful of times, but it was a very, very odd feeling because you had to climb up this very skinny, tall ladder to get up inside the tower. And you were going over where those dungeon cells were at. You kind of always got kind of a bad feeling when you're, when you're and very, very uncomfortable where you're, you're climbing pretty high up on a skinny ladder. And you look down and you see this, these these dungeon cells. And, and people say that they have heard and seen things there. But I, I never have, not in that part of the prison, but I never saw it or heard anything there. But I have in other spots. Okay. Um, and one spot, and one part of the institution where I used to work in, I used to work, um, it would be evening shift, so it was like uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon until 10 o'clock at night. And... There was, there was times where, you know, we would run showers and we would run a little yard and we would feed them and, and we'd be pretty much done for that. There, there wouldn't be anything else to do except for, our, you know, one hour security checks. So I, I, I read a lot. I still do. And um, back towards the end of the tier, it's quiet back there. And uh, I don't have to worry about anybody on me. So I was thinking, eh, maybe that'd be a good place to kind of find someplace quiet. Sit and read, and um, so I go back there. I'm sitting on this chair that's back there, and I, I just get this really, really bad feeling. This, this, this eerie feeling, like I'm not wanted. There was something that was definitely there that did not want me there. It was a very unwelcome, very, very bad feeling when I was back there. And I kind of, it's, it's. There's a couple of lights back there, but it, it got really, it got really dark. And for a very short period of time, and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to respect you and respect this space back here. I'm just going to walk away. And I did. Okay. Um, I didn't want to, you know, come off weak to my coworkers. I didn't want to um, make it sound like I'm crazy. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't say anything to anybody. And okay. But of course, they so, were ha- they were having similar experiences. I'm sure they were. I found out further down the line that yes, very much so. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they 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 over the years, many people have reported that they just don't go down there. There's one guy that works there at night that I found out that he turns on the lights down there. He turns on even if they're off at the beginning. Just have to go down there and turn on those lights just to make sure the lights are on because it's. It's just not a good place to be in, especially at night. I'm sure so, that's fair to um, say. <laughs> and then, so 
I now I work at an institution where there's very, very old inmates, inmates that have been in the system for a very long time. So I knew this guy and I knew he was from Folsom. He had spent some time in Folsom. And I asked him if he had ever been locked up in this unit. And he say that he said that he had. And he and I said, Did anything really bad happen in that place? And he said that there was one time that an inmate did get killed in a very, very gruesome fashion. And um, when he was there, and it happened to be at the same spot where I thought it would be fine to go read my book at. <laughs> so that same spot, that there was an inmate that died there in a gruesome, horrible way. And that's obviously the, the, the same spot where I had friends at. Okay. So, so you're sitting there at spot reading that book. What sort of feeling is coming over you right there at that point? You know, it, I'm sure that you've, you've been around people that um, they seem like they're they're angry with you. You get a vibe off like them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they, they just they, they they're angry. You don't want to be around them. They right. make you feel uncomfortable. Right. You know they. Um, it's almost like that. You know, I've, I've had coworkers over the years or I've, I've dealt with people over the years. They're just angry, you know, and you don't want to be around them. You feel around them. You, you feel unwelcome there. And so you just leave them alone. You just avoid them. And that's kind of the sensation that I got from this, from this certain location, the institution was just generally, I was unwanted. I was okay. unwelcome. And whoever was, was, was pretty angry about me. Almost, almost angry that I, I, uh, that it would be okay for me to go down there. So. Okay. Well, nice. I, so I'm, I'm having flashbacks, I guess. Um, my grandfather was chief of, of CINI bazillion years ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, he had in his attic that, that after he passed, I went to the attic and, and, and just oohed and awed papers that came from Folsom prison that were from the, the, the inmates. Um, <clears throat> they were using things like Perry Mason, the TV series, um, you know, true, true stories. I'm like, how many things there that I, that I did not paw through completely that were not part of the, the, the quote published bits. So I'm, I'm putting together my mental map. <laughs> yeah. And then, and, you know, the other flashback is, is I used to work, at Dollar Security with with another guard from Folsom Prison, but that was twenty plus some odd years ago. It's like, huh? I wonder what his stories are. It's too bad we never yeah. stayed in touch. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there was one other there was one other story that I had, and this was in a different a, a different housing unit, and so and, and this housing unit is kind of hard to explain. You have the the housing block in the middle of the building. And then you have kind of the outer shell around that. And on the inside of that wall, you have this walkway that the gunners are walking around, are walking around the building. And I was on a gun post and basically you're sitting there, you're watching activity in the building, make sure everybody's, make sure your staff are okay, make sure the inmates aren't fighting. And this, this is kind of what your job is all day. And there is a lower gun walk. And then there's an upper gun walk. And this building is very, very, it's a very long building. Um, and we're, we are in the middle. And I look down towards one end of the, the building. And I see something. I, I see some, I see somebody walking on the, on the upper gun walk in the back. I see somebody walking. And, um, I was so convinced that somebody was walking on the tier that I called the other side to see if the other officers were up on that upper gun walk and they were both on their side. So I was convinced that I thought maybe there was an inmate on the gun walk. Maybe there was a staff member that had come up to do maintenance or whatever that didn't tell us. So I grabbed my rifle and go up there, walk all the way around the building. I walk all the way around the building twice. I don't see anybody and, I, and there was somebody up there. I know there was somebody up there and, but I had also heard that people had seen things there multiple times because there was a guard that had killed himself on 
a tower that's detached at the end of the building. So everybody that, that knows of him and that has seen things in that building have all come to the conclusion that he's still there. He's, he's, his, his ghost is still there. It's just, it never really, it never really left. I heard that and, before. Mm-hmm. I heard that before from my grandfather and, and memory triggers of 20 some odd years ago. Yeah. I, I oh think I've goodness. heard that. It's, it's a fairly familiar <laughs> story. Yeah. But I mean, I could have heard it from but, any number of person's stories actually. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I can say that I was, I was thoroughly convinced. And, I, and, and to this day, you know, I, I believe that his, his, his ghost is still up there. I mean. Well, now, now you saw this entity. Did it look like a guard? You know, it's so far down, but that all I can see is somebody wearing dark and walking. Okay. So, so unfortunately. No way to know it, for it, sure. <laughs> there's, there's windows in the building, but the windows are all pretty obscure. Right. Over the dirt and the filth and everything else over the years, mm-hmm. and they don't want to—they don't want to spend the money to replace them. Right, so it's too expensive. So, so, so th- those were my my two major events of what happened at Folsom. Like I said, it was it was a great place to work, uh, historical institution, um, great supervisors, amazing administration. But like I said, there's there's a dark history there, and and. Uh, Institutions, the prisons, uh, especially um, several years ago, were very, and uh, many individuals did meet a a violent end there. And, and like I said, it, it's definitely left its impression on the place. Kind of get the feeling some of them stuck around. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, they definitely have. Yeah. So and these these men, a lot of them, you know, they live, they led uh, pretty traumatic lives too right you know and so um i think if you have you know people that live under under those circumstances but that by die by violent means they're, they're, there's definitely an impression still there definitely so now you were talking about your stories um you ever get any stories from any of the other guards or inmates or staff or anybody um mostly about that one tower where the dungeons were at uh-huh um, like I said, there was a, there's a, there's a, there's a building where they do training and, um, that's called Larkin Hall. That's kind of a funny story. It doesn't really, I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily in, in anything supernatural behind it, but, uh, Larkin was a warden at Folsom and these inmates had actually managed to hold them hostage and they were making demands, you know, the typical demands. Uh, for release from prison. Right. And, uh, uh, they ended up killing that warden. And so they named this this building, this training center, after him, named Larkin Hall. And they have his, a big portrait of him up on the wall. And every now and then, not anymore, but every now and then people would have to go there at night. They said you'd be walking up and down the hallway, down, up and down Larkin Hall, and there'd be old man Larkin. His uh, his portrait would be following you when you're walking past him, just staring at you as you're walking past him. But other than that, no. I, uh, so now are we talking about the portraits moving, yeah. <laughs> or, or or just the eyes? It's just the eyes. Just the eyes, yeah. Because some portraits just you can look eyes. at, and they'll they'll look like they're following you. Yeah. So don't go up to Larkin Hall at night. I guess, <laughs> I guess that. <laughs> cool. Well, any ladies got anything else? Any questions for me? No, no. that's been very informative. Thank you, thank you. Got a lot more information uh, than I expected. <laughs> yeah. Well, if if you guys if you guys have any more questions, you know, you're free to ask. Free to give me a call. Okay. I will definitely do that. Um, yeah, you guys don't have anything else. Oh, no, okay. thank you for letting me have you know memory triggers. Yeah, and, and thanks yeah. for and thanks for coming on and talking to us. We appreciate oh, yeah, you absolutely. taking the time out to do it. It's, it's been a long time coming. Hopefully, we'll be able to, to get together soon. Uh, definitely. It'd be so nice to so. see people. 
<laughs> oh yeah, no, uh, <laughs> finally lifting. I went uh, went shopping today, and people were walking around with no masks on. Yeah, I'm not that brave yet. Yeah, yeah I, I'm just, I won't be doing that. Uh, I'm not allowed yet. <laughs> well, your store won't let you. But... Yeah. That's a whole other story. Well, anyway, we'll let you get back to your evening. Um, thank you, Gardex. Thank yep, you, thank thanks Gardex. a lot. We appreciate you Thank taking the time to talk night, to us. Guys. Good night. Thank you. Good night. The processing of commercial information is complete. Back to the show. Okay. We, that was a pretty good interview with Guard X. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We were very happy to have him on the show. We actually tried to have him on last year, but that didn't work out. He was going to be part of our, our uh, Spooky Sacramento series which we started with the glasses and the cemetery stories, but didn't pan out, but he was able to do it with us this year. So, you know, just, a, just a quick interview. I'd love to get the glasses back on. Maybe. Maybe, we, maybe we can figure out a reason for them to do it. Just because. <laughs> just, just to get them on, yeah. They were fun. They were fun. They can advertise their uh, stuff now that things are opening back up. Yep. Maybe we'll get, maybe we'll get that uh, tour that they promised us too. You know, Sacramento Underground. That'd be awesome. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to that. So while we were interviewing Gardex, I actually did look up some more information about Folsom Prison and found some more stories about hauntings. Uh, this comes down from Brad Smith. What are you laughing at? You and that stupid Among Us thing. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> it's a surprise for somebody. Shush. Well, I don't think they listen to the podcast. They're young. Actually, the Mom listens to the podcast. All right. I didn't say anything about Among Us. <laughs> but anyway, I did find a few more stories about uh, Folsom Prison's hauntings. Uh, this is from Brad Smith, Telegraph correspondent, dated October 21st in 2009. So it's a little dated, but there's still information there. Uh, he says, ghosts may haunt catwalks and corridors of Folsom State Prison. At least according to James Brown, operations manager for the prison's museum, Brown is also a retired corrections officer, having worked many years of the prison, at the prison, sorry, and author of Images of America, Folsom Prison. While he's never seen a ghost while working at the prison, Brown says he believes in them. As a young man, he said, I had a few experiences that convinced me ghosts exist. I believe in them, but I let them be and they leave me alone. Maybe that's why I never had experiences while I worked at the prison, he said. But, he adds, that didn't deter him from asking about stories. I've heard that places filled with tragedy and violence can be haunted, as Gardex was telling us. Uh, this is a prison. You have tragedy and violence in prisons, so I asked about stories and listened. One of the stories he heard is about the Folsom Phantom. Heard stories about people, being, about people seeing a ghost walking around the front gate, Brown explains. According to accounts, the Folsom Phantom is the spirit of a prison guard killed during 1927 prison riot. Brown heard the story, and it's noted in Dennis William Hawke's book, Haunted Places, the National <laughs> Registry. A listing of haunted houses, UFO sightings, and unusual creature sightings across the United States. According to the Officer Down Memorial Page website, two Folsom prison guards died during a November 1927 riot on Thanksgiving Day. Sorry, on Thanksgiving Day, Ray Singleton was stabbed as he guarded prisoners leaving the prison library after a movie. The riot broke out, lasting two days. Police and local militia put down the riot in which three prisoners died. Singleton wasn't the only guard who died during the Thanksgiving riot. Prison guard Charles Grills, sorry, Char <laughs> let me try that again. Charles Gillies had a fatal heart attack as he manned his post at the prison's front gate. Brown recalls an incident that happened years before. Late at night after lights out, some of the guards saw somebody walking down a corridor and then disappear. Sound familiar? Uh-huh. Sounds like what uh, Guard X was just talking about. <laughs> Since all the guards and other staffers had been accounted for, Brown said the prison was put on alert. And I don't mean to laugh, but Tracy's dying over here. Are you okay, Tracy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm breathing, therefore. Therefore I'm you joking. cough. Yep, gotcha. <laughs> Allergies are a, are a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he says, we woke up all prisoners and did a head count. No one was missing. Everyone was accounted for, he said. Finally, one of the senior guards told him <laughs> it was one of the ghosts, I bet. Another time, guards were alerted to somebody walking along an exterior catwalk. They thought it was one of the prisoners. 
Guards ordered the guy to stop walking. He didn't, Brown said. Guards then fired at the prisoner, only to see the figure keep on walking and then vanish, according to Brown. I've heard stories from fellow guards that even prisoners and even prisoners about things they've seen, Brown said. Counts range from ghosts roaming the morgue and old hospital to the old death robe cells in Building 5, the prison's oldest cell block. Brown said more murders happened in the hospital than anywhere else in the prison. After years of listening, after years of listening to first and secondhand accounts of the Folsom Phantom and other entities roaming the prison, Brown is convinced that the prison is haunted. Is he crestfallen that he never had an experience as a prison guard? No, like I said, I had my experiences before, and I'm fine with that, he said. But he does enjoy listening to other people talk about their encounters. I'd like to keep it that way, too, he said. Okay. Pretty much a lot of what Gardex already said. But there's a little extra tidbit because it's a different account. You know, guards have some, they're there by themselves in a lot of places without inmates in a lot of the corridors and stuff because they have to patrol. Yep. And it's so, you know, it's a very hush hush institution too. They're not supposed to talk about it even with each other. Yep. So, I mean, because it's not manly. No, you don't share that kind of stuff. No. no. <clears throat> so you okay now? So if it walks, talks, creature calls, I'm allergic to it. Yep. I'm sorry. And so, no, it's because I, I love the fuzzy fuzzies here. But and it's the things outside that are killing me. <laughs> Nature <laughs> hates us. I I have not been spending a lot of time outside. I think that's why I'm not like you. I would be where you're at if I would be out there. Ah, nature, it's all so over me. Get it out, get it out. <laughs> my, my number one complaint about nature is trees and plants are having <clears throat> relentless, rude... Sex? Yeah, sex on my face <laughs> without my permission. You can't yell rape to a tree. It doesn't care. No, really <laughs> no, no, I can't say that it does. Trees are pretty indifferent to the uh, goings and comings of human beings anyway, so, you know. Yeah, we all know that we're just their pets. They're living their best life. I mean, they, they, they watch us grow, they watch us die, you know. They eat, we, we they are, eat off of us. They eat off of us. They give us oxygen to breathe. We Sometimes are they give us food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the plants, all the plants. Yep. So enough about Folsom Prison. <laughs> um, we, 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 you know us. We tend to, we tend to derail. Us. We come out of the rabbit hole and jump the track at the same time. <laughs> we. Anyway, we've come to the point in our show where we will have Adriana give us one of her short stories. And I have one right here. Just let me get. Dun, dun, dun. You're supposed to be ready with it. I was ready. I just had to move the book. <laughs> there we go. There we go. She was having the book. Okay. So let's lead in. Go for it, Adri. Hello. Tonight my story comes from our Wooden Encounters book. And it's uh, called Doing Ghost Time at Burlington County Prison by Joanne M. Austin. It was one of those mid-March weekdays when the sky was spitting raindrops and I realized that I was once again visiting something haunted on a miserable day. In this case, the Burlington County Prison Museum in Mount Holly, New Jersey. Coincidentally, at least two different stories that have been submitted to Weird New Jersey in previous years about this particular prison had stressed that rainy weather enhanced the building's creepiness. Perfect! Thought, though I was possibly more creeped out by the proximity of the newer prison behind it than the precipitation. <laughs> I got my bearings by walking around the front of the old prison, which is gray and imposing. Smack dab in the middle is a heavy wooden door with a round hole in it. It looked as though it could, have, could hold back a, a lesser battering ram, and I found it was locked. Dabbing with the voices I heard behind it belonged to long-dead prisoners, I gave the museum curator, Marissa Bozarth, a quick call, and she told me to meet her at the door to the warden's office just a few steps away. After a quick introduction, Marissa led me upstairs to an office where we sat and discussed the prison's history. Architect Robert Miller had designed the facility as a rehabilitation center rather than a penitentiary. 
and envision each prisoner with his or her own cell, complete with a small window and the fireplace. A workshop in the basement was intended to help the inmates cultivate skills they could use to become productive members of society upon release. Ultimately, human nature intervened and the one prisoner to a cell idea soon died. From 1811 to 1965, the prison held all criminals regardless of the crimes committed, but prisoners were separated by what they did by gender and even by age. As juveniles were held there as well, Burlington County Prison even boasted among its residents the infamous Albert de Salvo, who was briefly incarcerated his pre-Boston Strangler days, so much for Mil Mil ah, Mill's notions of rehabilitation. Undying anguish. There were nine executions at the prison between 1832 and 1906, all by hanging. The first two were conducted off-site, the other seven in the prison courtyard. Each of the executed had committed first-degree murder, and one in particular may still haunt the dungeon located on the third floor. Yes, the third floor. This maximum security enclosure located in the middle of the line of cells is a smaller room with a window but no fireplace. It's where the most contemptible prisoners were sent to await execution. In their final days, they were chained to the floor in the middle of the cell and under constant surveillance by guards. The dungeon is where Joel Clow spent his last days in 1833. According to a story by Kate Phil Philbrick in Weird, New Jersey, a woman had jilted the 29-year-old cloth, so he stabbed her to death. He had escaped from the prison, but was recaptured and sent to the dungeon. According to Marissa Rosard, he was hanged about a mile away, but his body was buried in the courtyard. The night after Cloth's execution, guards started hearing the chain rattle on the floor, smelled cigarette smoke, coming from the cell and heard noises like moaning when they, there was nobody being held in there. Both guards and prisoners feared even passing by the dungeon because they believed it was haunted by close spirits. Today you can only stand on the other side of the bars looking in at the stark white mannequin that sits chained to the floor. Boil Room Boat. Clough's story is the most famous of the haunts at the museum, but there are others. Marissa recounts that during renovations in the 1980s, workers reported lights going on and off, hearing odd noises, and feeling as though they were being watched or followed. They'd also put away tools before heading out to lunch, only to come back and find a tool sitting in the middle of the floor where they knew they hadn't left it. Visitors and volunteers recount similar ghost, experience, ghost experiences. In the spring of 2007, four individuals on four separate occasions saw a strange man in the basement of the building. According to Marissa, each witness said he was like a worker. He looked like a worker who belonged there, but nobody knew who the man was, and he hadn't been, hadn't been seen since. Who could this lone worker be, and why would he haunt that particular part of the prison? Although two murders have occurred in the basement, including one in the hallway where the man was seen, his description doesn't match up to anyone involved in those events. Shadow of a Doubt Marissa had seen shadows twice in the building. The first time she had, she and a volunteer were in the basement cleaning up when something on the stairwell caught their attention. You both spun around, Marissa said, and I looked at the stairwell and said, did you see that? And he said, no, but something touched me. He swears that something poked him in the back. She said she had seen what looked like a blob move up the stairs and at a loss for explanation that she left the building in a hurry. The other time Marissa saw a shadow, she was alone in the gift shop closing up and she saw out of the corner of her eye, I turned my head and it looked like a shadow walked out of the warden's office and walked towards the back door. The shadow moved at a normal walking pace and had human arms, legs, and a nose. Marissa went to the window behind the counter and looked outside for the shadow, wondering how it could have walked through the locked door if she hadn't seen anything like it since. Courtyard Ghosts. A volunteer named Anthony shared an experience he had while in the picnic area of the prison courtyard with a group of volunteers. The one guy I was talking to kept seeing something out of the corner out, or out in the window of the warden's office. It, 
kept poking its head back and forth. Apparently when the volunteer went up to the third floor office to check things out, there, they found nobody there. One of the volunteers was a bit of a sensitive to the paranormal, and according to Anthony, she just stopped there and started crying all of a sudden. The warden's office is also where Anthony felt wobbly or off-kilter, similar to what the Atlantic Paranormal Society, CAPS, had experienced during their investigation. The week before I visited, the show Ghost Hunters aired a segment on the museum, and Marissa said that the resulting influx of visitors was like nothing she'd ever seen. People drove for hours from neighboring states, and we marveled at the continued popularity of the paranormal. This place is Burlington County Prison Museum, 128, 128 High Street, Mount Holly, New Jersey, 08060. story dear thanks for sharing it with us yes 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 and, and very apropos considering what we've, what we've been talking about tonight haunted prisons yeah well i was actually <laughs> i'll be perfectly honest uh, just in case we didn't get that interview i was actually looking up stories for haunted prisons also and i found one i'm not going to talk about it tonight but it's the ohio state penitentiary maybe we'll do that it's another night awesome. yeah we might do that one another night might do a couple prison stories we'll throw that in there so I'm all set for that. My research is done there. <laughs> in the meantime, um, I don't have anything else to add tonight. Anybody else got anything? No. no? I, I, can, I can put in here that I got a text message from Misha Collins saying happy birthday. So <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> it's like, oh, looky there. Now, granted, I'm pretty sure it's, it's an automated thing. And he, I know he does respond to people's texts, but I gotta, you know, he made it around another revolution on this earth. Yes, we should call it. I wonder if the supernatural actors ever had his own ghost encounters. He's the one that plays uh, the angel. Angel, yeah. yeah um, well, if he answers his text, maybe you should text him and find out. Maybe we can get him on the show. Aww. I've been trying to do celebrity ghost stories. I want to see about getting some celebrities on the show. I actually sent a message out to Katie Seagal today because uh, she responds to, to her messages also. And I'm hoping that she will respond to ours and maybe we get her on the show. She, she uh, sent up. You showed me that thing that she posted when she was getting ready to go out to uh, record her show. Um, she was getting ready to run out. Yeah. Her rebel, yeah. Yeah. She was talking about something about, about careful because she doesn't do something right, she'll land wrong or something. Something like that, yeah. Something about how she'll hurt herself. No, she's like, clumsy by nature or something like that. I don't remember, though. I was like, that's not yeah, what I mean, people. Yeah, you've got a celebrity contact, maybe put the feelers yeah. out. Because mm-hmm. I've been doing it with a lot of them. I even I even got a, got in contact with John Cleese at one point last year. Didn't actually yeah. get to talk to him. I talked to the, to his agent. Said he'd be back to me. Never did. Yeah. If you want, yeah. But the connection was made, and I thought that was kind of cool. At least I was able to talk to somebody. You should. Hey, see if what's his name called? Who? I can remember. Um, I've tried. I can always try it again. He never responded, but I can always try it again. Or Tracy, you can do it. You're friends with him. As well. I could try, I could try. I, I, if had this been 40 years ago, ha ha ha, forever and ever ago, I would have had probably a better chance of getting someone like, like Michelle Nichols or George Decay or, or Walter Koenig because mom was still in constant communication with the three of those guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> but alas, oh, and, and even even like um, Anne, Anne McCaffrey. That would have been a good one too. I yeah. know that my sister absolutely adored her books. I, I met her three times at, at book signings. I remember she was like, "You, you getting signed for who?" So, you know, Carol, Carol. Okay, you come back over and you getting signed for who? Janice. Mm-hmm. Third time, for Kim. For Kim. Kim. So it says Kim. Stop getting your niece to sign your books for you. Well, I have an I, I have an idea for you actually. Why don't you send a message to John Delancey? No. Tell him it's your niece. <laughs> you might remember me, the person who put her foot so far down her throat and kicked her own tail feathers. <laughs> Dude, you reach over. There's a guy next to you who looks just like your uncle. Same khaki pants, same blue shirt. <laughs> uncle Blair can wear five bucks. Oh, God. Sorry, Mr. Delancey. <laughs> I bet if you got a hold of him and reminded him of that story, oh, he'd be more than happy to talk to you. <laughs> but I understand he's a pretty nice guy. Yeah, I know he's a nice guy because I've seen him on live. It's like one of those just, oh, uh, uh-huh. 
Well, see, that's that's, like that's a connection you got to use to your advantage now. But then when you find them, you really see them. They're not, you know. He's not. He doesn't seem like that. That's so yeah. But yeah, basically, genuine. I'm putting. He seems very genuine. Basically, I'm putting my feelers out for celebrity ghost stories. Hopefully, awesome. you know, if we can get a few, few that would be great. You know. There's nothing else we can always talk about. Close encounters with Trek, kind of. Have tons of stories about that. Okay, that could be an episode all by itself. <laughs> Who knows? But in the meantime, I think we're done for tonight. I just want to say I appreciate both of you for being on my podcast. <laughs> or should I say our podcast at this point? Because it really is our podcast. And I look forward to being on yours when yes. they happen. You know, again, for people who don't know, Adriana's going to be hosting Who in the Podcast, which is going to be a true crime podcast. Oh, Trace. I'm releasing it next week. And for those that are not on my page yet, it is going to be about uh, kids who kill. Kids who kill. Yep. And then Tracy will be doing her podcast at some point in July. Yes. And that is the Why in the Podcast, which will be about gender, gender roles, sexuality. Self and self-discovery. Self-discovery, self, self definitely. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. So look forward to see to oh, hearing yeah. those podcasts. <laughs> yes, I look forward to hearing them as well. And look forward, look forward to seeing them online and clicking <laughs> the links to listen. Yeah. Um, now, this would also be the point in time where we would talk about how to contact us. Well, we're not going to do that tonight because at the end of every episode now, you're going to hear a brief little uh, advertising blurb about the podcast and how to contact us through that. So listen all the way through so you can hear that tonight. And uh, we're glad to have you with us. And still going to happen. In the meantime, cue the gremlin. is a part of the What in the Podcast Network and is available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other great podcast formats. You can find us on Facebook at the What in the Podcast Facebook group. If you have a great story idea or have a personal paranormal event that you want to share with us, email us at whatinthepodcast at gmail.com with your story, or you can leave us a voice message by clicking the link in the episode description. If you like what you're hearing, please don't forget to leave us a review and rate us five stars. It doesn't seem like much, but it helps us more than you can imagine. Thanks for listening. What in the...